G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie points out great leaders in the Bible were often chosen from unlikely men and women. God often calls what we might describe as unqualified people to do His work. Listen, the calling of God will be the enabling of God. And remember this, the ark was built by amateurs, but the Titanic was built by professionals, okay? So God does not call the qualified, He qualifies the call. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins When God needs a job done, He doesn't gather all the resumes of those with doctorate degrees He doesn't pursue the highest scores or the richest CEOs. While we may think these kinds of people would be the best bet, truth is God chooses people not for their accomplishments. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that the Lord looks for those with willing hearts, and then He empowers them and equips them. It's good encouragement from the life of Noah. Today, everywhere you look, there are what we might call signs of the times. Things that the Bible said would be happening that remind us that the return of Christ is near. You might say the writing is on the wall. And actually, one of the signs of the end times is people will say, we're not in the end times. Did you know that? Because over in 2 Peter 3, it says, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. And they'll say, hey, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? For before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. And he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. So this, of course, is a reference to the flood of Noah. And that brings us to our topic, which is the world changer at the end of the world. Noah was a last days believer. You say, but how is that possible? Well, he was living in his last days. He was living in the days before the flood. And so I want you to turn to Genesis chapter six. Now God gives him a very unique command. Uh, In Genesis 6, God says to Noah to build an ark. And Genesis 6, 14 says, God speaking, build a large boat from gopher wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out, then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 70 feet wide, 45 feet high, leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat, put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat lower, middle, and upper. (laughs) Now this would require a supreme act of faith 
because there was no body of water nearby. In fact, to the point, it had never rained on the face of the earth. The earth at this point in the book of Genesis was sort of like a big giant greenhouse. There was sort of this water canopy over the earth creating this greenhouse effect. But God said a flood's coming. And so he told Noah to do something that had never been done before, to build this ark. In one of the greatest practical acts of faith in all of history, it was when Noah cut down the first gopher wood tree to build this ark, or as the kid's song about it says, build it out of gopher barky, barky. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. He built this amazing ark. And by the way, uh, we don't read that Noah was a carpenter and certainly not a shipbuilder, <laughs> reminding us that God often calls what we might describe as unqualified people to do his work. Listen, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You say, well, I'm not gifted in this area or I'm not talented or I don't have the skill set. Maybe that's true. And maybe God will call you to do the one thing you don't feel you could ever do because you won't depend upon yourself, but you'll depend upon the Lord. The calling of God will be the enabling of God. And remember this, the ark was built by amateurs, but the Titanic was built by professionals, okay? So <laughs> this worked out pretty well. This ark didn't sink. And Noah models for us how a last day's believer should live. So here's old Noah floating around in his giant box it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Altogether, he's floating in the ocean for about a year. And the sea can be a very lonely place. He's in a giant wooden box filled with animals. I mean, seriously, that must have stunk so bad. But the voyage is now coming to a close. Uh, and so he's waiting. And the Bible tells us that God's Spirit blew across the land. The clouds began to dissipate. The sun appears and eventually the grass and the plants and the trees begin to come back to life. Or as the song says, the sun came out and dried up the landy landy. Remember? Do you know the song I'm talking about? The Lord told Noah to build him an arky arky. The Lord told Noah to build him an arky arky. Build it out of gopher barky barky. Children of the Lord. Uh, and the animals, the animals, they came in by twosies, twosies. You haven't heard this? <laughs> this is great theology, people. You'll learn the story of Noah by learning this song. And then the sun came out and dried up the landy, landy. Everything was fine and dandy, dandy. And that's true. It was. That's all you're going to remember from this sermon. You know it. <laughs> but I love this. Because we're told in Genesis 8, God remembered Noah. Maybe he wondered sometimes, Lord, uh, you sort of put us out in this big old wooden box and we're bobbing around here like a cork. Uh, are you still with us? The Lord did say, come into the ark, which implied God was in the ark with them. And one other thing I would add. Before the flood came on the earth, the ark was removed. And in the same way, before the judgment comes upon this world, the church will be raptured. Because the Bible says God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God remembered Noah. And listen to this. Noah remembered God. Genesis 8.20 says Noah built an altar to the Lord. You know we have a tendency to often forget God. I mean listen I don't know about you but if I was in a 
wooden boat with a bunch of stinking animals for a year and I finally hit land, first thing I'd do is I'd just go kiss the ground and run around and jump. I want to get some exercise. First thing Noah does, I love this, and this says a lot about him. The first thing he does, according to Genesis 8.20, is he built an altar to the Lord. Lord, thank you. I give thanks to you. You know, Noah knew how to put first things first. And we can do the same thing. You say, how? Well, how about when you go out to a restaurant, or eat at home for that matter, and the food's put in front of you, how about giving thanks to the Lord? You know, I know the food's hot, but just a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this meal. By the way, we call that saying grace, right? Uh, when you do that prayer, it doesn't have to be a super long prayer. I'm just letting you know. Because some people feel that's the time to pray for all the missionaries and, and the food's getting cold and, you know, and we, we're making the kids close your eyes and pray. It's, you don't have to make it so miserable. The foods are, the objective of grace is thank you, Jesus, for this food that you provided. All right, let's eat. But, uh, but I love that act. I think it's a great thing to do publicly. Not in a showy or ostentatious way, but your meal comes, you bow your head, you pray. I was in a restaurant a while back and a very large family sat down, beautiful family, and the food came and they all just bowed their head and they gave thanks. I thought, that is fantastic. You know, I loved it. I think that's a great testimony. So giving thanks to the Lord, that's a way of doing it. Remembering the Lord with the faithful giving of your finances is another Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, that your barns may be filled to overflowing and your vats will overflow. The idea is, look, everything you have is given to you by God. Now you bring a tithe to the Lord. Say, what's a tithe? 10%, it's pretty basic. You bring that to the Lord. That's remembering the Lord. That's honoring the Lord. That's acknowledging all you have comes from the Lord. I saw a bumper sticker that says, tithe if you love Jesus, anyone can honk. <laughs> and that's true. Also, when you're getting ready for bed, you know, to take your Bible out and read it, I, instead of updating your social media or whatever else you're doing, you know, read the Word of God. Number four, when that alarm goes off and you think about skipping church in that particular Sunday, get everybody together, load them in the car, Put first things first and remember God. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, remember the Creator in the days of your youth. We have a tendency to forget God in our younger days. Sometimes kids say, well, I'm, I'm young, you know, I gotta sow my wild oats, do you? Well, let me tell you something. Uh, you're gonna reap what you sow, okay? So these decisions you're making are gonna come back to haunt you later in life, and it ain't gonna be pretty. Uh, I can't think of a better time to commit your life to Christ than when you're very young. I became a Christian when I was 17 years old. That's three years ago, amazingly, but <laughs> I just really aged quickly. No, uh, it's been many years now for me, but I've never looked back and said, oh, I wish I would have done it in my 30s or 40s and had some fun first. No, I'm so glad I think of all the miserable experiences I missed and the bad decisions I avoided. By the way, most people make their commitment to Christ before the age of 18. And that is why we always are reaching out to younger people in our uh, crusades because we know that's a critical age for them. Glad you've joined us today for a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S. And he's helping us consider the example of Noah who built an ark and preserved the lives of his family, not to mention the animals two by two. Let's continue. 
Now this is where the story should end. I should say, so let's follow the example of Noah. Let's pray. But that's not where the story ends. And this is why I love the Bible. Because the Bible is an honest book. So if someone does well, the Bible tells us they did well. If someone messes up, the Bible tells us they mess up. Guess what? Noah messed up. Did you know that? A lot of people don't know the rest of the story of Noah. They just know it up to this point. I mean, if this was a movie, uh, we basically have the closing scene. The camera goes in for a close-up. Noah's tear-stained face is looking heavenward as he gives thanks to the Lord and his family all have their hands lifted. Even the animals have their little paws lifted, you know. <laughs> Everybody, you know, like that. And, and then the camera pulls back and we see a beautiful rainbow, you know, a seal of God's promise and, and the credits roll, right? That's a story. That's part of the story. But the Bible has a little more. In Genesis 9, we have Noah messing up big time. Here's a guy who walked with God for 600 years. And I might add this, nothing was ever said critically about Noah. Not one single thing. In fact, quite the opposite. We just read, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man who walked with God. By faith, Noah did this. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Amazing. But even godly people can mess up. You can mess up. I can mess up. Any of us can. So what happened? Let's read about it. Genesis 9, verse 20. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. And one day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and lay naked inside the tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked, went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done, and he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed, and may he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant, and may God expand their territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Noah lived another 350 years after the flood. He lived 950 years and then he died. <laughs> the first thing Noah's fall teaches us is anyone can fall into sin. The moment you say, man, I'm doing so well spiritually, I don't think I would ever fall, you just made yourself super vulnerable. You say, but why? Because the Bible says pride goes before a fall, you see? So we have to be very careful. Yes, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Few people have his credentials. But here's the thing. When you have known the Lord for a while, it's very easy to become more vulnerable than a young Christian. Let me explain. When I take my grandkids to play uh, in a playground, they want me to come, they want me to catch them, they want me to put them up on things, they want me to do things for them. In effect, they're dependent upon me. Do this, Papa, help me here, Papa, because they know they're little kids and they know they need help. Before they cross the street, they reach up for my hand. That I'm there to help them and they depend upon me. That's a child, a child knows they need help. But when I'm an adult, I don't reach for someone's hand to take me across the street, right? But here's the thing, as I grow in my faith, and I've known the Lord for years, I'll say, I'm doing well, I, I can pretty much lower my guard, and I might be more vulnerable than a young believer. Because a young believer knows they can potentially fall, 
So they ask for prayer. They depend on God. They're more careful. But the older believer, thinking they've reached some plateau of some kind, begin to lower their defenses and suddenly they find themselves vulnerable. And we see this, of course, played out in Scripture. Simon Peter is a classic example. Jesus said, one of you is gonna betray me. So Peter thought that'd be a good opportunity to boast about his love. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Lord. Though I'll deny you, I will never deny you. So it wasn't enough to just say he would never let Jesus down. But he said, even if these other losers let you down, I'll never do it. Loose paraphrase, Jesus says, well, buddy, since you brought it up, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows twice. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah, way. It happened. And that's exactly what he did. So what was Peter's real first step down? Pride, thinking it would never happen to him. And by the way, there's other men of God and women of God who fell later in life too. Moses, I mean, Moses, the guy that God gave the Ten Commandments to, the guy that God used to lead the Israelites to the wilderness gets right to the brink of the promised land and he just got ticked off at the Israelites one time. They were thirsty and wanted water and he comes up with the staff and he goes, you rebels, must we fetch water like we've always done for you? And he hits a rock, there's your water. God says, Moses, come here. Let's go behind the woodshed. <laughs> what are you talking about, must we? Who's doing the miracles here, you or me? I'll tell you what, Moses, because of this, you're not gonna enter the promised land. You'll see it with your eyes, but you won't go in. He blew it toward the end of his life. David did the same. David, the king of Israel. But I love David because he's, well, just so real, he's so human. He's so much like us. I mean, the little shepherd boy who sang praises to God, the giant killer in the Valley of Elah, the warrior, the poet, uh, the man after God's own heart. That was said of no other man, yet he also was an adulterer and he ultimately was a murderer and he did many things wrong. And then his son Solomon, who he passed the kingdom on to, who at one point was the wisest man who had ever lived, went into a horrible time of backsliding. So here's the point I'm trying to make. These people messed up at the end. Look, you can run a good race, but if you run first place all the way to the end and collapse before the finish line, you lose. I don't care if you were ahead for all the other time. So it's not just about starting well, it's about finishing well. Good insights from Pastor Greg Laurie today from our study in the life of Noah. And next time, Pastor Greg brings us the conclusion to this message. It's from a series called World Changes. Be sure to join us. Same time tomorrow. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The World Changer at the End of the World. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call one 800 Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.